All right. Welcome on in. Thanks for coming in, Thaddeus. Thanks for coming in, Milk. Uh, so do you, uh, should I call you Milk, or or would you prefer your, you know, government? Uh, you can call me, sure, why don't you call me Milk? All right. Let's keep it like we're in the Justice League. You know, when they all meet up in the Justice League, <laughs> yes, sir. they don't say their real name. There you go. Yes, yes. All right, we'll call, uh, we'll call, we got, I mean, what are we calling you, Ronaldo? We call you Ronaldo again, Rob? We can call me Ronaldo. That's, that's All right, I'll just stick with Hashi. <laughs> Alter egos all day. And then do we call you, exactly. just, we'll just call you Gold. Thaddeus, we'll call you Gold. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Gold. My man. All right, welcome in, gents. Thanks for stepping into the nostalgia pit. Um, I can go through the intro and everything. Uh, get you guys oriented, or we can just jump right in. It's up to you. So, um, uh, I'm gonna defer to Milk on this one. I'm cool for jumping in. Let's ju- let's let's jump in. Hell yeah, both feet, baby. Hell yeah, I'll put that shit yeah, in, in exactly. the intro and in post. It's nothing too important. I just you know break down the album, tell people what to do, where to find it, etc. It's good. Hi, everybody. Welcome into the Nostalgia Pit, a podcast aiming to dissect pop culture, the subconscious, and other psychological phenomenon through a hyperbolic and prismatic lens. Hosted by Rob Snow and Colin Cassard, mixed by Alex Riddle, and songs produced by Golden Beats, the Nostalgia Pit is available anywhere you find your podcasts. Today, we welcome in family. Golden Beats, as I mentioned earlier, is the mastermind behind the Nostalgia Pit theme song, as well as one of hip-hop's best-kept secrets. His new project, Horseradish, is a collaborative effort with one of the West Coast's best new MCs, Portland native Milk. That is M-I-L-C, Milk with a C. The two managed to weave together a masterpiece that, like a good meal, will have you wanting seconds right away. In this episode, we're going to talk about the intersections of nostalgia and music, the expectations of sequels, and the Portland hip-hop scene. Make sure you support their project by not just streaming it, but by also buying it off of Bandcamp. That's right, if you know anything about the music scene, you will know that the artists rarely get pennies on the dollar, if even when it comes to streaming services like Spotify. Now, while you may need to use Spotify or a streaming service to check out Milk, you can just listen to this episode because that's right, we are going to play three choice cuts off of Horseradish to give you a little taste, but we highly recommend that you go to goldenbeats.bandcamp.com. And that is Golden Beats, beats as in the vegetable, not as in what you do to the drum. Make sure you go support their music right now, as soon as you can, the sooner the better. It's amazing. The album can't say enough good about it. And if you want to support the podcast further, feel free to check out our new Patreon, where we just released our first episode of exclusive content. You can find us at patreon.com slash the nostalgia pit. And at this time, we want to thank our sponsor, Strange Loop Animation, a brand new visual arts company specializing in 2D animation. The founders of Strange Loop have been supporters of the show since day one. Now supporters of the show, we are now supporters of their art. So make sure you go check them out on Instagram at Strange Loop Animations, all one word. 
And do not forget to go to SheetsGiggles.com. Use that promo code NOSTALGIC. It is still live for 20% off of your next order of eucalyptus sheets. Best in the business here. Alrighty then, here we go. Support your local drug dealer. So, horseradish. Um, gentlemen, uh, I bumped it five or six times in the last couple days. And the reason that... Oh, wow. More than me. Well, the reason for that is because it's the perfect length. And I've always said this, that you don't give them too much. You give them just to the point where they haven't had enough. Right? And so the the length of the actual album, it, it flows from tr- song to song, and it happens so quickly that you can't help but be like, oh, shit. You know, I could flip that on again very quickly if you want it as opposed to, yeah, it's a snack, you know, it's a, it's a, um, it's some Mm. tapas, you know what I mean? It's a, but point is when you have an album that's that short and sweet, so to speak, it allows for uh, replayability and, and, and bring, makes a person come back and want more. You know Mm. what I mean? I'd like to think so. Yeah. The features were well-placed as well. Ugly Frank. Fuck yeah, dude. My guy. We'll I feel like Frank's like every Pacific Northwest rapper's favorite rapper. <laughs> I could see that. I'd never heard him before. Yeah, I, I feel, feel like that I'm, too. I'm slacking. You ever, Ash, you ever hear uh, I'll Fight You? Classic. I remember seeing the name on like posters. Oh, yeah, so I'll Fight You is Chris P, the Fireman, Ugly Frank, and Glenn. And both of their records, they have more than two? Milk? Yeah, two albums. Yeah, they're both fucking fire, and Chris P does a lot of the production. I feel like they, they're like one of those acts that had all that potential super early on and got like hella attention. And I don't know them well enough to say, you know, what was what, why they didn't do 10 albums and they're not the most famous group in the world because they're fucking amazing. Um, I know that there's a KXP yeah. piece on it lately. I was a big fan of them when they first came out, like in 2012. I bumped that album a ton. They're very good. Where's he from? Is he from Seattle? Tacoma. Tacoma. All those. I swear Tacoma has more talent than Seattle at this point. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, I, I believe a you. Lot I think. Of promising shit. Yeah, especially because uh, uh, Seattle being priced out, you know? I mean, there's that too. Yeah. And so a lot of people just can't, straight up can't afford it. Or, or have to like grind extra hard. It's becoming like New York without the, the benefits of New York. You know, <laughs> it's also in Milk and I talked about this a lot, you know, off pond IRL. Um, it's also Seattle's like fucking bitch ass tendency to like white rap and white adjacent rap. Like mm-hmm. Seattle likes the super respectable goody goody PC shit where it's like they hate the street shit. Like my favorite Seattle rapper. If you could even call him a rapper right now, it's fucking too paid. Wait, who? Too paid. Too paid. He's too paid. I'm too paid. Mm, I don't even know that. Okay. I don't even know him. My thing with my problem with Seattle hip hop is that it's all too segmented and that no one, um, it's too clicky, you know? And it's always been too clicky up there. It's like, oh, if, if you're not a part of our crew, you're not like, you're not in. Yeah, that's how Portland is. I feel like too as well. Yeah. It's a little yeah. too segmented. Yeah, yeah. The I think that the 
my um, explanation for that, so to speak, is is scarcity. It's like this false scarcity that like because there aren't that many hip hop, you know, weeklies, monthlies, shows, venues that give hip hop love, um, and there's not that many people that get famous out here. That like people think that, you know they're not going to give the next yeah. person love because if they did, then that would show and pay yeah. off and then they would get famous and then their chance would be missed. And it's all like, I was in a bucket and all that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now you could chalk it up to me being bright eyed and bushy tailed, but in 2011, I feel like when BMN got into Seattle, I feel like when we first got in, we were witnessing like uh, the end of an era where everybody was working together and there was this big scene and right as we came in, it sort of like had fallen apart and we were witnessing the fallout of that. I'm not sure what that was all about, but it did seem like right before we got there, there was this like massive energy happening. A lot of venues were doing a lot of things and then some of them shut down. And I don't know, maybe there were social issues like beefs. I'm not sure. But and then it just never really I don't know. There's been like energetic moments since then, for sure. But you know, it could just be that we weren't there. So we were getting like a false impression, you know, from people. But no, I felt I felt that same thing. Like I didn't live in Seattle until 2013 and I was only there 2013 to 2015. Mm-hmm. But it felt like by the time um, Dexamora and I started working, who now goes by Mikhail, you know, we had the lo-fi, we had Vermilly, we had all those. Mm-hmm. We had Crocodile Back Bar. It was really easy to move around on that level. Right. So it was it was easy for things to come together like that, but there wasn't like, there weren't that many acts that could headline Numo's sell it out, that type of yeah. shit. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. And I mean, it still feels like the same same thing there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of lot of dope MCs, a lot of dope acts in Seattle, and or Seattle adjacent, and, and venues won't give them love. I think it's part of it is because venues see hip hop as a risk, because it's not fun and we can talk about a little bit why hip-hop live isn't fun and i like newer hip-hop and and like trap adjacent shows because there's so much more energy but like that that hyper masculine like i'm not gonna dance arms crossed (laughs) type of energy that was at shows for so long seemed to have killed like live hip-hop for like a lot of you know, places and a lot of people don't want to go to hip hop, so to speak. And I think that a lot, like the newer generation of hip hop is, has done a really good job in, in reviving what live shows are, you know? Milk, you like to go to shows to put your hands up, move around? Uh, I don't really go to shows, but mostly I just got my arms folded and mean mug, who's ever's <laughs> when I do go. I like I to. Mean, most every show I could go to is, 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 you know, scare the hoes music. That's what I make. We're trying to scare the hoes. We want as many men in there as possible and yeah. the least amount of women. And we just want to just kind of look tough as possible. That's perfect. That's perfect. I like to, anyway, uh, that's what I'm on. I like to go in there and like scratch my beard and just really look judgmental. You know what I mean? Just really, really look like yeah, I'm giving yeah. it a critical. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, Rob, you should really just go into political tirades in freestyle <laughs> form as well, you know, with your long hair and beard. Just, yeah, it would, it would really That's crush. too close to reality, bro. <laughs> Rob, I'm sure there's some night in like 2012 or 2013 where we were at some show just fucking 
drunk talking Karl Marx. Oh, I'm sure. At some point, yeah. You know, I never really got that deep into Marxism. Like, I was always the dude that was on that shit, but, like, all of my politically conscious homies were like, read this book and this book and that book and read this article and go to this lecture. And I'm like, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I just... I just want money redistributed to be, you know, so that laborers own the means of production. <laughs> I don't know about all this shit. But speaking of books, I did read Guy Debord. Let's go. Dude, that shit, was I was having trouble understanding it. But I did get a lot out of it, and I did pull some uh, quotes. You know, reading shit like that, I think of myself as a, a gen, generally, you know, smart person. And I'll read some shit like that and be like, no, no, I'm not. No. <laughs> not at all dude it's so, it's so hard to digest like it's all just like theses right like it's just a bunch of different theses and it's hard to like it doesn't flow through it no. but it's that that's been like a guiding thing for me in terms of navigating music navigating um just the attention economy like yeah i hate social media and i use it because i'd like to connect with people but like you know this this guy and the situationalists in, in general were talking about how, you know, we're addicted to this sense of spectacle even more than we are to those things that are substantial in life. And so it helps me to read something like that, you know, before social media was created, you know, written right. and trying to navigate art and talk about art with people and find connecting moments and find like beauty in the, in, you know, the more mundane daily shit that kind of helps you know that 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 helps like try to find what's special about life because if you get too locked into the sensational shit it's like it makes me not want to do music at all so oh for sure man yeah i mean uh it, it it's weird that that was written in 1967 and it's like <laughs> so fucking relevant right now like at this exact moment <laughs> like completely <laughs> it directly explains what's happening with yeah like you said like social media i mean the spectacle has done nothing but grow in power i mean which is what he says it it would do like there's really no way to escape it from what i you know it's like celebrities been democratized um, right right that type shit yeah um when he said fascism is a technologically equipped primitivism i was like holy fucking shit bro like that's exactly what the fuck that is I've been thinking that way a while. Like the people, the modern fascists are always like trying to bring us back to some agrarian, you know, like, well, it's essentially like blood and soil shit. You know what I'm saying? They're like, this is our land. We need to get back to the land. It's, feud it's feudalism. Yeah, man. They want to be the lords. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's true, man. Yeah. It was an interesting use of like or a, a, an interesting way to look at the world in a dialectic kind of way. And it was, it made me, I gotta be honest though. It made me feel a little bit fucking insane. I was like, Oh my God, bro, what the fuck? Like I got to rethink everything, man. Shit. It's been a helpful framework. It's something I come back to every now and then. I mean, it's also like written in French. So it's translated into English. Ooh, so there's, good some point. there's some accidental shit in there. Yeah. That's a good point. My bad. I'm back online. I got Wi-Fi. I'm good. Y'all hear me? And <laughs> Hell see yeah. Me? Oh, shit. <laughs> we can, I can hear you perfectly. About, crystal clear. We're talk, we talking, we talking about Harry Potter? Pretty much. <laughs> the French <laughs> Harry Potter. 
Anyone else playing Hogwarts? Uh, I mean, I want to, man. It looks fire. Yeah, I haven't good. played it though. I just got my I got my broom. I'm up in the air. Oh shit. Oh shit. This man yeah. is flying. Yeah, I had to uh I had to do away with the video games. It's been a sad thing. Uh, Same. Damn, they got a D twelve album for seventy bucks. <laughs> that seems overpriced. That's, Wait, what store what store are you in? We're broadcasting live from Too Many Records located on Lombard and what's the street right here? By Heavenly Donuts. Okay. You, can, you can get some fentanyl and a donut and a record. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a <laughs> one-stop right shopping. <laughs> the record is only to snort the fentanyl off of in case you were wondering what the record's for. You don't have a record player in this situation. Yeah, nah, It's a great, it's a fire story. It's, Hell yeah. I big. haven't been... I haven't been to that one yet. That's why I was well, like, you gotta, which, which you gotta check it out. Last time I was there, I got two M. Sume records, a Janet Jackson record, and a Mariah, Mariah Carey record. That's a haul. That's a good one. What Mariah Carey? Uh, it's it was like a number one, so it was like a hit compilation. Uh, okay, weird, weird. Sometimes those are good. It's got it's got the ODB fantasy. Oh uh, yeah, that's a, that's a oh, must. That's yeah. a must. That's all we need. How many more ODB verses are there unreleased that are going to come out? I feel like there's, um, there's going to be hundreds more, right? Like, I feel like, nah, I feel like it was hard to get them in the studio to like record. That's what I was thinking too, but they just keep coming out. Like people keep coming out with the SZA album. Was that SZA that had the ODB on it? That or was something? weird. I was like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard it. Oh man. I like the, um, I'm pretty sure it's ODB, the JPEG Mafia flip on Veteran, where it's just ODB going, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can always tell who, you know, it's his voice. He's got a voice like Flava Flav, you know what I mean? Dude, it's just... Is he the original singing rapper? Um, Bone Thugs? Was Bone Thugs well, doing it before? Who's the dude? Oh, shit. What's his name? I, you got Biz what Marquee. I need. Yeah, Biz Marquee. Marquee. Yeah, oh, there, Biz we Marquee. there we go. There we go. We're all blasphemous right here. No, this is good. <laughs> no, we got there. We got, we got there. there. We got there. We got there pretty quick. It's all good. It's all good. It's okay. It's all good. Yeah. Biz is the best. Nobody beats the Biz. No one, no one defeats the Biz. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, there we go. So, Milk, growing up, it, you're you're from Portland, right? You're native of of PDX. Yeah, born and raised. Yes, sir. Portland. That's legit. I've been here for close to a decade now. Um, nice. I like it, but uh, I am not from it. I've always I I, I know uh, a couple of the dudes from Sand People and a couple of the guys from Chicharrones, but I've always oh, nice. I've always wondered um, growing up in portland what was it like trying to um like were, were you always interested in hip-hop and what was it like trying to make hip-hop around here um i assume it was a little difficult to kind of find a community but uh well the thing about portland hip-hop at the beginning everybody that was making portland hip-hop was from like my neighborhood or section of the city so oh, okay. so it was all pretty accessible to me. Like, I remember the first time I heard Cool Nuts, I was like, "Oh shit, you can you can be from Portland and rap and like make a rap record." And he was like, the, "Everybody was slapping that first album." I forgot what album it wasn't his first album, but it was like, I think his second album. 
that had Portland life on it. Anyway, uh, nah, I always uh, Portland hip hop has always been around me. Like I always like I always was like in tune with local shit, even though it was like never really like a big scene like that. <laughs> like the first show I ever rocked, it's funny you say Sand People was opening up for Sand People at the now defunct Burbati's Pan. Hell yeah. When I was like 17, I think. Damn. But uh, Portland hip hop, you know, it has its problems. I mean, I stopped making music for like five years because I was so defeated. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Is it because of uh, the scene in Portland or... Nah, I mean, I was just, like, more interested in, like, trying to have sex with people, I think, to make music. No, I feel and, <laughs> and trying to get money and then, like, and and then, like, uh, sorry, I'm in an interview. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, and, and, like, but, yeah, maybe the scene a little bit. I mean, you just kind of play the same shows, see the same people, people yeah, that aren't get from stagnant. this. Yeah, people from that aren't from the city aren't really tapped in with the rap scene because the rap scene is pretty much all local people from here. So it's hard to get like new audiences. It's tough to get new audiences. Um, yeah, and I was in a group and that said like me and my homie, I'm still homies with him, but like, you know, I think musically we we're kind of going in a little different directions. But, but I don't know. I think I answered your question and then said some more bullshit, but. Hey, that's how it works. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of talent here. There's yeah. a whole lot of talent here, but there doesn't seem to be an like an end game. So people go to LA, people go to New York. Sure. Yeah. And there's just no infrastructure. Like even Seattle has more infrastructure than Portland as far as like rap shit goes. Like I'm about to do a show there next week and then like I've already like have like two like interview things I'm doing. That never right, happens in right. Portland. Right. I talked with um, MJC from Filthy Brook Records, who makes and mastered our, who makes and mastered Horseradish. He's from, fuck, I think Rhode Island, somewhere in New England. Oh, sorry, wow. sorry, Michael, um, that I can't get that one right. But but in in New England, like you think about the hardcore bands or rock bands that tour, and you've got like thirty cities within three hours of you. So. Right. Right. You have a whole bunch of new scenes to get on bills with, sleep on people's couches or whatever. Like, what do we have? Like, Eugene? Um, <laughs> yeah. That's the problem with, with the West Coast is everything is so spaced out, and specifically the Northwest. And, like, you know, I've, learned, I've in booking tours for, you know, like Billy Woods, you know, this was before he was famous, but it's still it's so difficult to – pack shows in big cities let alone pack shows in the stitching you know like the, the the towns that stitch it all together so like even you know 10 years ago it was so difficult to get a show in everett that would be good as well as seattle as well as tacoma because like seattle would take from both of those markets and it would fuck right. everything up you got to get 180 people at jub jubs in reno in order to break even <laughs> god damn <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I believe that. Shout out Jub Jubs. Yeah. That sounds I've crazy. I've never been there. I just I just helped book a tour there once. I like That's the name. I mean, you got to get a what kind of venue is it? I don't know, man. I've never been I've never been to Arena. Sounds like a strip club. Sounds I was about to say it sounds like a rubbing tub. 
Well, what about yeah. uh, the, the 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 iguana from The Simpsons? Is named Jub Jub. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Selma, there you go. Patty and that's Selma's. a deep cut. Yeah, that's that is that. a hella deep cut. Shout out. Probably we had the most deep cut Simpsons bar. Uh, he referenced the missing child sign. No houses missed. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah, I was like, damn, that's crazy. <laughs> who was who was that? Uh, my homie from the Bay, uh, from Oakland, uh, uh, Non Fierro. Non Fierro. Yeah. Non Fierro. Yeah, I got a, yeah. I got the crucified, uh, Millhouse <clears throat> on my thigh. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. That shit, that shit's dope. And then I'm probably yeah. going to get the Ralph Wiggum purple berries, um, from the, oh, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. fly episode one of these days, but. Yeah, I love. Uh, I I appreciate you coming on, Milk, because you got a lot of nostalgic uh, pop culture references, a lot of sports references. It's very uh, kindred to uh, the stylism that I've always enjoyed a lot. Um, I will nice. say another reason, going back to horseradish, that I enjoyed it more than, well, that I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it gives you all of the same things that a Benny. The Butcher album or a, an action, the action Bronze. Action, 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 the Bronze. Action, the Bronze. Yeah, it gives you uh, the same shit that one of those records that you would get, right? But I don't, I didn't walk away feeling dirty. And when I say that, I mean <laughs> that, um, like, it's it, it's really a, a heavy part of hip hop culture to go heavy into the misogyny. And heavy into the you know the 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 demoraliz the demoralization or dehumanization of women, and yeah. you manage to like with songs like Skinamax, you manage to do a sexual song, uh, a a, 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 bre a you know unabashedly sex sexual song without being overly misogynistic, which I think. A lot of people should try to do more. I think like Snoop Dogg with uh, sensual seduction or, well, you know, what went back in the day. But like classic, some people can do those kind of things. But uh, this, the misogyny often steeps in hella heavily. But I just wanted to say I liked what you guys did because you can get all of the elements of wanting <clears throat> to deal drugs without putting people down. Okay. You know, <laughs> without that's just, what we're about, man. We're about being good. Good drug dealers, man. Good to your pe good to your neighbor. <laughs> Egalitarian he dealers, hell yeah. Yeah, man. That's what I say. Drug dealers are speaking of socialism. Drug dealers are the biggest socialists I know. <laughs> for real though. They pay for everybody. Hell yeah. For real. They pay for the bar, they pay for the studio time, they pay for everybody. The chains, the get fly. Shout out to Ed. shout out me and support your local drug dealer. Even if he's selling weed, man. Fuck these fuck these goddamn Weed stores. Go hit up. Go hit up the homie around the block, man. <laughs> Hell yeah! Holler at your plug. Yeah, legal legal uh, drugs has really hurt hurt the uh, the drug dealers. The black market. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now there's the gray market though, so that's a thing. Um, if you if you if you yeah. know about that, where it's uh, my father deals deals heavy in the gray market. Yeah. So yeah, the gray market is uh. <laughs> It's a fun thing to learn about where places can hold weed for like 14 days. Like dispensaries get the pound. They can hold it for 14 days or something like that. Or maybe it's even just two days and then it can just disappear. Yeah, that's crazy. So Mysterious. they can point is you can sell it. it. 
It's like the yeah. OLCC's way of like knowing that it's a perishable product and allowing these Shout people to Shout out to, to the to Nazi not... organization, the OLCC. Jesus Christ. Did you hear about the, the hoarding of the liquor? No, nah, I don't know. I'm not, I haven't heard about that. Can you explain what the OLCC is? The OLCC is... It's a Nazi organization that works in Oregon that doesn't let people have fun. <laughs> it's, it's the Oregon okay. Liquor and Cannabis Council. Oh, okay. I see. All right. Yeah. And they, they, um, the head of it just got in trouble because he was hoarding all of the top shelf whiskey and keeping it for himself. And then he would take bribes if you wanted to get your bottles of high end <laughs> liquor into places. And he would also be private bribing officials and like, you know, people with high end bottles of liquor that he would just take. And so, yeah, it's, uh, sure. Well, what's the point in getting in a government position if you ain't going to be able to bribe people and hoard fine liquors? If I can't grease your palms, what the fuck is this? Okay, yeah, exactly. That's all I got to ask. I worked for an um, unnamed event promotion company in, in Portland for a while, and we did a club event with that was like a popular touring club event that was sponsored by Ducey. And to make the numbers work, basically the out-of-town promoter that had the Doucet sponsorship was going to provide all the alcohol for the bar. And okay. basically, we couldn't get the free alcohol into the club. Um, wink, wink. We had to go through the OC OLCC, <laughs> get them the alcohol, purchase it from them at a discount, not from full price and not for free like the company was giving. It was like absolutely a shit show. That's some French connection shit right there. <laughs> That's Fuck convoluted. Me. Yeah. I Yeah. It, it's some Kafka shit, really. Yeah, for real. That's absurd. Some bureaucracy. I don't like my alcohol with my with bureaucracy. <laughs> nah, man. Yeah, like yeah. nothing mixes with fun better than bureaucracy and paperwork. Mm. <laughs> one love part it. bourbon whiskey, one <laughs> part bureaucratic tidings. Yeah. You got to like you got to like really feel they really want you to feel dead inside before you imbibe. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right. Kill the soul. Hey, don't forget that your life is not your own. All right, go have fun. All right, you can have fun. <laughs> At this point, we're going to pause and go to a, a, one of the songs from Horseradish. Uh, for the listening audience, we are going to play Amber Rose Ecto Cooler. Hell yeah. <laughs> featuring none title. other than the man himself, Ugly Frank. Ugly Frank. Ugly Frank. And Milk. And Golden. And Milk. The next number we're going to do is a, a poem that was written by myself and means a great deal to me and expresses some of the things I feel. Poke in the cup, look like Ecto Cooler. Off Teslas with Petro movers. Hair slicked back like Gordon Gecko. Jordan Retro losers. The Bubba Fecko crucial. The Petco Super. Move through the Metro. Esco in the XL Uber. Refresh your computer. Better protect your future. The rest don't matter. Better check your jeweler. Crepto dollar. God money. Make your set go stupid. Wrist on glow like techno groupies. Pop up box trucks like West Coast movers. My thoughts corrupted like FIFA is. I popped out the rose like Wiz Khalifa's kid. That's no dub plate. Hop a lot of bass golden. Baby face old soul. I keep the faith going. I chase ghosts. I don't chase no one. I don't just walk on a beat. I pace on it. 
with Jamal Tinsley. Report card is all Fendi. You had a small window, now you all empty. Lost in Vegas, roulette with your life. I don't dance. We just two step on the white. I move left when it's right. Crew neck and some nights. Shorty and a friend ready to duet on my mic. BM's brother bump my shit on his way to work. You plug, plug, hear the boss while he waits his work. Your homie bought my merch. It's his favorite shirt. I can't eat clout. I don't want to trade a verse. Blind. In the morning dark, I'm sorta of off I hit the base and my entire face boiled off I'm in the matrix and I'm sorta of lost I get my ass kicked from Morpheus My confidence destroyed, dog Don't even ask how I'm employed, dog I serve the oil on the canvas Sort of foil to your manager Told you I'm an animal, mammal Folded plenty niggas, I'm mechanical Rambo, ran through the country Rose drunken in commando Twenty niggas stumped me, I admit it left me scrambled Mental mangled, brain tangled I emerge triumphant like the Django Shining up my halo, send me sight Sayonara, uh, can't fuck with him, Frank still struggling, uh, weight suffering, fake niggas claiming that they love you when they be in your facial assault cuddles, they click up with they niggas, they jungle, my rebuttal is to roll like a globe, trying to slow nigga, no, not a folk that can miss a line of road to my goal, got a stroke through the cold water, load every clip, I'm wildin' for every chip till it's dope for my hoe, man, she need a mansion and a condo and a rose, man, the new Versace with the gold frames, I ain't lying. a ice blessing up cause Time flying, a brand new kitchen without cooked chemicals in that cast iron. I move fast, I am real nigga, last I am. The last one left to my very last breath. My very last step was the cash step. I'm happy to live in a time I eat nickel diamond ejects no more. Thaddeus, you wanted to talk about, you said something about the bleakness of sequels. Or, or, Which or, almost rhymes, and I like that. Bleakwells. Yeah, the bleakwells. The bleakwells. A sleek um, sequel that's bleak. Are you talking in the... In the are you thinking in, in movies or in music or in art in general? What is your, uh, in what realm do sequels fall? Yeah, in? man. I feel like, um, one of the more beautiful things in life is like the u- uniqueness of everyone's experience and telling unique stories and like stories from other cultures, blah, 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 blah. blah. And it seems like we're really stuck in this era of just re-rocking old shit and running it back so like all the remakes and then you know the james cameron writing a dollar sign after alien for the alien sequel it's like yeah just a big money grab and we can do better than this would you make yeah uh, would you differentiate i like sequels though damn yeah i was i was gonna say because uh (laughs) would you differentiate i like ninja turtles too (laughs) <laughs> well, well. It? Secret of the Ooze. Am I am I am I frozen? No, you're good. No, we can hear you. You probably okay. Are we frozen on your end though? Maybe a little bit. Glitching out. Maybe glitching we're good. Down. We're good. No, nah, no, nah, you're right. <clears throat> Sequels are bad. Sequels aren't good, but sometimes they are good. Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon Two is good. Sequels are a dangerous game because that's the problem. Is like. Are you familiar? Like TVs used to do reboots, or I mean, I'm not, I'm sorry, not reboots, but spinoffs. Yeah, spin-offs, spin-offs, are, yeah, of spin-offs are essentially a sequel, but it's like 
the way that money works is you'd find something that works and then you and then keep you do doing it over it. and over and again. you just keep doing it until people stop buying it and unfortunately the the way capitalism works is that's how it's going to reward it so it's like it's not going to reward true art luckily for us and in the world that we live in at this point you know we can find enough art that is that isn't based off of sequels so even if like the mainstream media is going to be obsessed with the next MCU movie or you know uh, uh the next remake of of whatever um 90 you know like the the remake of saved by the bell that's probably going to come out or something oh, yeah. whatever you know what i mean i think that there is validity to it at times but it it's a dangerous game to like people don't know when to put a story down you know what i mean and, like, and going yeah. back to like the democratization of media and celebrity and everything i mean it's just all been democratized in a way falling in line with the spectacle of society of course but uh, the democratization of that shit means that there's new stories to be told all the time. It just won't have the production value yeah. that, you know, you would maybe want. But even that is becoming more accessible. Uh, but I was going to say, like, would you differentiate between, like, a cynical cash grab and an honest-to-God, like, continuation of a story? Or do you think that there's not really much of a difference there because there's always a profit motive like obviously but. obviously but if there's a story to tell there's a story to tell i feel like um let's talk about avatar 2 that movie <laughs> that movie sucked yeah i'm not gonna watch that yeah i haven't seen it i haven't seen the first one i mean, no i, enjoy, I enjoyed the first one um in its own way but the second one was like they couldn't even imagine another villain they just brought the first one like <laughs> back to life and they like completely did away with all the story building that made you know just like fucking space pocahontas but like right yep which sounds theoretically baller it was dude the first one the first one was sick um wasn't like my favorite thing ever but it was fucking cool but the second is crazy they got the antoine dobson 45 sorry my bad. <laughs> hey, we're talking about Fern Gully with aliens here. Come on. Yeah, we're, ta- we're, we're talking. Yeah, we know we are. Um, okay. <laughs> no, they just like they just, just ran it back without any of the world building that made it interesting. There's no, they didn't tell a story. They just they just went to the box office twelve years later or whatever. Whack. I, yeah, I was gonna say they took a decade to just give you that. So for the, I mean, the good part of the deck or the good part of the sequel, right, is like the godfather 2 but the godfather 2 in reality is not actually a sequel it's part of the same story like the godfather right, all right. Th- it's based off the same book all three movies are the same book they're not different books it's all one story and so like there are ones like that where it, you know it kind of is a gray area speaking of the gray market again but like i mean we just saw john wick 4 in theater and those movies are dope though <laughs> i was i was completely okay with it i mean this is dope this is like you know what you're getting in for yeah you you're know? going for phenomenal fight scenes bro that's it there's not really a story there rocky rocky 4 rocky 4 rocky we just 4, watched yeah. that the other day man that's like 55 to 65% montage the whole movie is mostly <laughs> montage that's that being what you said, want though it's good yeah that's what i'm saying it's like it gives you what you want if he dies, yeah. he dies. But yo, fellas, <laughs> I, I might have to, I might have to skate soon. So That's we'll all good. Well, thanks for dropping by, man. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, excellent fucking that. album, bro. Thank you, bro. Thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. Yeah, man. Go, everybody, go get the album.
horseradish on on sat or on gold's band camp please don't stream it just buy it please we need to get more dollar oysters peace to dollar oysters peace to the four elements of hip-hop streetwear public transit fentanyl <laughs> and donuts all right y'all i'm out peace all right later bro portland hip-hop baby <laughs> That's what it is. Silly guy. Hell yeah. No, it's a oh, great man. album. It's a great album. Thank it you. is. No, it's fucking fire, man. For real. Dude, so we, we set out to make a bunch of really small records. We like, I, since you guys knew kind of like the first iteration of me as a producer, um, I've always been a digital boy. Started collecting records last fall. Finally. And just with that, the convergence of that and just like kind of loop culture coming back to the forefront was like, fuck it. I'm going to dig just the most fun loops. We're going to make a bunch of these cuts that are just like, you know, loops and sound effects, you know, to make these beats. And we made a couple of those joints and we made more than a couple, but a couple of them ended up on the album between um, Skinamax and Smithsonian. Mm-hmm. Um but we found ourselves making like not big records, but records with features and hooks and shit like that. Yeah. Ambrose Ecto Cooler is like four or five different samples layered together. Oh shit. It's Jasper Van Hoff. Fuck. Is it him and Roland Kirk? It's like folks that I love and have dug for forever. And I'm finding shit that's, you know, on wax and not in any of the places I've dug online. Um, and it kind of is all coming together finally, which is sick. Um, as far as collecting wax and, and, and really trying to get into some production and milk between this record and neutral milk motel with televangel, which is also incredible. He just brought more of him himself to the record. You know, like one thing I talk about the milk and I talked about and other people is like the Olympics, like, Think about like a Steve Vai or whoever the fuck who's like good at soloing on their instrument. Mm-hmm. And you're like, hey, that's cool. But like, can you make a song someone wants to listen to? Yeah. Um, <laughs> For real. Not a fan I mean? of noodling, yeah. huh? Yeah. Nah, no noodling. There's so many rappers that can rap their asses off, but it's like, who, who cares? I don't care. Right. I want to hear what someone's worldview is. Right. And I think Milk brought like an incredible depth to him for the record. Like he can talk about what's going on in his neighborhood. He can make an entire song about missing MTV. (laughs) That shit was fire, dude. And I can relate too, because I miss that shit too, man. That song was so fun to make. So I grew up without TV. Talk about nostalgia. Yeah, I grew up without TV. So a lot of these references, I'm like, I have to go back. Did you have granola parents or something or what? Yes, absolutely. Ah, got you, got you. Um, I grew up on a small island, no TV. We'd like go to my grandpa's house to like watch basketball games and shit. But crazy. Once I was like 14 and we had good internet, it was over. I had to like (laughs) learn everything. But like, I think of myself a little bit as like a homeschool kid. It's just like a little off, but kind hearted. But, you know, he showed me that, and I had never heard that Dire Straits song, like, ever in my life. Oh, no shit. Okay. I missed that. But he said that, he showed me the song, and as soon as he showed me that, and then he interpolated the big L bars, Call Me Beavis, I Get Nothing But Head, Mm -hmm. um, I was like, bet. (laughs) And by the time he he had recorded his verses, I had added 
the Dire Straits sample into the like a live sample of them and Sting. Um, in, into <laughs> okay. the beat, added the Big L sample into the beat, kind of layered those under his vocals, and it just felt like magic. It just felt like we found something that we didn't know we were going to find that day. It was mm-hmm. hella fun. Um, and then Rich Jones, who does like the, the backup vocals on a little bit of the refrain there, he... Not backup over this full on harmonies, um, but he and I had been recording an EP together, um, so we got him on there and it just came together hella quick. But it's a fun track, man. Thank you. And um, you guys know Kenny Fresh from Fresh Deluxe. Um, he distributed the album. He's a legend. He gave me some notes, which were really helpful as far as finishing up the album. He was like, "You should end. You should end it with more of a bang instead of letting it kind of linger on." And I really liked that feedback, but I was like, fuck it. Let's let it just go on the same same way. Like the MTV has kind of gone on into this, like who even knows what it is at this point. (laughs) Yeah. So let's just let this thing like linger on until people wonder like why it's still like this. Cause it's not (laughs) the point. I I mean, that's my favorite part of the album. So sorry. Yeah. Sorry, dude. I told you to do that, but those out, like those moments and like, letting like something build and breathe and evolve. I think it's um, something that is not on enough rap records. And also just like the ideology that like rap records aren't supposed to be 100% rap. You know what I mean? Like, and it becomes so, so trying when it's just pure bars. And so it's like the way to mitigate that seems to be that people just make a smaller album of just bars. Right. But you know what I mean? Yeah. The interlude existed in, um, you know, golden era hip hop for the reason of giving it breathable space. But, mm-hmm. um, the interludes can be kind of corny, kind of cheesy a lot of the time. They hurt. I mean, in my, in my opinion, not a hundred percent of the time they hurt replay replay value. I only want to hear a skit so many times. Like, right. Yep. Terrible example because I don't even want to spend time talking about Kanye. But, um, <laughs> well, that's a great example, though. That record is it, those, those skits get really annoying. So annoying. But the, but the songs, you know, they're great. And I mean, another one is the Fuji's The Score is the greatest example. They need to just put out a different vert, like a new version of it without any of that and put the it out weird, on vinyl. Ra- the weird, like racist shit. Yeah. Dude, it's, yeah. it's, I had someone defending it on Twitter and I was just like, cool. I was like, I'm not even going to engage with that. That shit's corny. The record's great. Take that shit off, put it out. Then you'd have one of the best records in hip hop, like in hip hop history. Like, I'm not gonna lie, I I I can't even listen to it anymore. Even without the skits? Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I can't really listen to Wyclef. And it's like <laughs> just specifically? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't like um, Roz, so I mean I guess. Is it because he got to be such a cheese ball later on? Nah, I mean maybe. I I kinda like corny people as long as like we're all aware of the act. Um I think as a hip hop head that's gone from being like the youngest crusty dusty old head to like open my mind up to a lot. It's hard in, you know, what was that? Was that 95? Maybe. Yeah. 96, Rob's right. It came out on 96. my birthday. Came out on my birthday in 1996. There you go. I was 7 years old. 
Well, look at that. I forgot about that. Also, that same year, um, same day, if I recall correctly, it, and, and if it wasn't that, it was Tupac's um, greatest hits. <laughs> Classic. There you go. That's a great one. Um, no, I think I think people. Okay, 1996. Talking about the state of hip hop is like being played out, and like I don't know, all those skits and shit are poking fun at Wu Tang, right? Yep. It's like why be crusty in 1996? <laughs> yeah. Why not Damn near like, in its infancy? Like what? Why? Like why be crusty in 2023? Like there's so much new shit to like. There's so many options just within this genre to love like at this point if you're hating on the state of blah 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 blah, and you're not talking about how media or politics are playing into it or whatever it's Mm -hmm. like the music's out there the art's out there there's so much good music dude can i tell you like all right in 2000 and i don't know 14 15 whatever uh i was like dude lil yachty sucks so fucking bad he came out with an album this year that i'm like yo this shit is fucking dope it's like this crazy psychedelic throwback album. And I was, it was randomly on a playlist and I'm like, yo, what is this? And I'm like, Lil Yachty, what the fuck? So it just goes to show, man, like keep your mind open and you'll be just blown away all the time. That album's hella fun. Um, and also something that was hella fun with him was Michigan Boy Boat mixtape. Um you guys listen to that? He's like doing Flint Detroit rap. No, I'm telling you, I was against Yachty until like it's, three it's weeks ago. It's hard. It's so hard. <laughs> really? Listen, okay. Listen to it. I mean, what's really fun, I think, about this current era is like, if you think about New York rap in 2014, 2015, whatever, like ASAP land. Um, right. They had their own sound. I, I like Ferg. I like Rocky. I like. Yeah, me too. That whole crew, except Bari. Um, but in general, right, there's this criticism of like, New York has lost its sound, blah, 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 blah. Like, fuck that. There's hyper-regionalism has come back, and it's hella fun. Like, Flint, Michigan has its own distinct sound. <laughs> That's um, interesting. New York has sample drill. L.A. has very, very, you know, like, L.A. has basically gone – and interpolated a sound that was jerk that came from hyphy. There's like interplay between Oakland, Detroit, and LA sounds. Like there's so much hyper regionalism. Like there's New Orleans sounds are being kind of reinterpolated and coming back from bounce shit. It's like there's so many distinct regional sounds that it felt like the internet kind of killed. Um, and it's all coming back. And Yachty did that where like I think he's an Atlanta dude. And he went out and like made an album that is distinctly a Michigan sound. Interesting. It's I don't know. I love I nerd out over this shit. I love it. Yeah, that's super fucking interesting, man. Cause uh yeah, it's sort of I feel you on that, like where you said that the internet sort of destroyed regionalism because it kind of everybody fell into the same stream. There was this like homogenization of sound. Uh, but yeah, I haven't really been up on like things lately. <laughs> I've been kind of in a fucking cave, yeah. but, uh, that's super interesting, man. Cave boy. Yeah. I love it. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just fascinated. Like when I went back to school, um, for my undergrad and stuff, like my favorite class was networks and society, just studying like how ideas move through social networks, both in real life and online. And like, 
that's the type of shit I love in music too, is like, how does this thing move? Who had this idea first? Who made it popular? Who is it okay for them to tap into this sound? Who is it appropriation for them to tap into? Like, I don't know. I just like nerd out on the history of music type shit. Yeah. That's dope. Well, speaking of the history of music, what about the history of your music? When did you start making beats? I mean, when I when I got to know you, obviously, you were, you know, I don't know how long you had been making music for at that point, but um, what did starting producing look like for you? So I was born in 1990, 2003, 2004. Um, I'm at my cousin's friend's house um in the bay area and they have garage band <laughs> yeah that was the first time i ever saw you produce anything or like working with your beats i was garage band gang until like 2015 <laughs> it was fucked up yeah but but basically but you made it work bro it sounded good me and polo the dawn i think was the other i think polo the dawn was the guy who made it flip from garage band um <laughs> but you know just dragged around loops and stuff and was interested enough in hip-hop that i knew how it worked but the barrier of entry was always like resources, like having the money, having the access to an MPC. Like that's the way hip hop was made in my mind. And when I was like, oh, you can click and drag things. And I already know that it's breaks and samples. Like bet, let me put it together. So started putting it together, started playing guitar around the same time. Um, moved to Bellingham in 2018. Sorry, 2008. Jesus for college and was making some shit I liked but didn't love. It took till a long time later to be able to like hear something in my head and make it. There's a lot of just like trial and error. And then 20, I think 2009, 2010, there were two rappers from Orcus that were in Bellingham, Washington, which is where I was. Shout out Bloodshot and shout out Rajas. Both good dudes with interesting styles. Um, Bloodshot more like a traditional b-boy ass MC Rajas had like some weird fake patois stuff that kind of worked pretty cool um, they introduced me to Chris Willis they introduced me to Sunday Cypher that's how I met probably both of you guys um, probably yeah Sunday Cypher for those uninitiated was Bellingham Washington on Sunday's if you showed up, you had to rap, no matter if you could or couldn't. Um, <laughs> it was a social event, um, but it kind of got me out of my shell because I'd been, you know, making beats. I think the secret to being a producer is every mm -hmm. producer raps, whether they want you to know or not. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, how do you know how to hit a pocket or how to coach an MC to be like, that's great. Why don't you take this syllable off or why don't you say it this way? Or, yeah, that's definitely true in my uh, experience. Every I, I swear every single producer has some raps recorded somewhere, whether they want to show the world or not. And I won't. But I think, Ashley, you have probably like the only thing with my name on it that's out there. But I can, I can change your name if you want. So no, no one, you know, it can be an alias. You're good. It's a fun little Easter egg. So worked with rapper named Dante, goes by Don Dishes. Oh, Don Dishes is filthy, bro. He's amazing. Um, he's like the best freestyler I've ever met. Seriously. His performing is, is great. I mean, he's just, he's amazing, man. He's made for it. He's, he's really good. Um, we worked on a mixtape that 
got us just like a little bit of, I don't know, some eyes um, within Bellingham. Worked on some stuff for him. It wasn't really until 2013 where I started working with Dexamora where, you know, I got some music out there bigger than, you know, just the city I was living in. That's such a goddamn good project, man. Man, he's so good. And at the time, I think he was like 19. So he was all like, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed or whatever. And I feel and I don't want to make like too big of a claim. But I feel like everyone was kind of on that party shit or trap shit, and we came back kind of to the essence, just like beats and breaks and, and bass lines and mm-hmm. kind of shifted. You, you guys were, BMN was doing the same thing. Yeah, we were in that vein of, yeah, we were like, let's get back to the basics, baby. But I feel like we did that type shit, and things changed. Like, rappers that were much bigger than us started getting back into that a little bit more. The sound of the city shifted. It's either like that's the case or it's more of like a Heidegger like uh, ideas are available to the, to similar people based on similar premises at mm-hmm. the same time. But we got that music out there. It was really good. And I kind of relied on those two relationships as well as working with, they were called frat rap at the time. Um, the good husbands. Oh so yeah. Th- ah, frat rap. Oh, um, ah. you know, fresh air. I was really close with those guys and it was a fun era and it was like my time that I got to do like college tours and stuff around the Pacific Northwest, which was really fun. I'm telling a fucking long version. Sorry about this. Um, <laughs> How dare it's you? It's all good, man. Did that. I guess that's what podcasts are for. That's um, right. Did all that and kind of in, in in retrospect, I think invested too much in making sure everyone else um, got the business right and accrued press contacts and would send things to blogs or proper distribution. Like nobody really knew what they were doing and expected being able to rap and then post something on social media to work, which at the time did SoundCloud was in its infancy. There weren't a ton of reposts. There wasn't like a pay for repost thing. So it's like we posted it up there. One of the songs got like 40K plays. One of the songs got like 150. It felt like go time. And also, whenever I released music, I would sell like 10, 15 beats. So I'd be good for a little bit. Yeah. Got a song with Raz Simone, may his reputation rest in peace, where, you know, this was put out on 300 on Lior, Lior Cohen's label. Yeah. Where I was literally the song before the Pusha T feature. Really, really wanted that Pusha feature. But then uh, got married, moved to Portland, and kind of like went back to school, took a break from production, still made stuff, but didn't really take it as seriously and with as much heart as I would have liked to. And really it's the last three years or so where I've been connecting with more people, kind of bouncing back and making what I really want to make. And... You know, a shift into Ableton helped. A shift into, like, framing my relationship with music really helped. Can you uh, dive a little bit into that? Like, how did you... uh, What was your relationship with music, and how have you uh, changed that framework? Yeah, so I think there was a period of time where my well-being correlated with my success in music. Mm, Classic. Yeah, and it I think it's really bad for your bank account. It's really bad for your mental health, or at least mine. Um, 
and kind of paired it back to like, this is something I love to do and I can't not do. So I may as well respect myself and respect it. And like, you know, there's a lot of different theories where creativity is kind of channeling power, you know, channeling energy from a higher power. And I won't go too deep into that. I'm like not a super spiritual person, but I do see some truth there, some validity. So it was like, I just got back to a point where like, I'm going to make music because I can't not. Yeah. I want a certain sense of credibility because I want agency over who I work with. So I'm going to take this really seriously, but I'm not going to make it my whole life. Um, I'm not going to make it my whole personality. I'm going to detach from it enough and I still struggle with it. Like I wanted horseradish to do a thousand copies on Bandcamp and well, put me course, in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a good fucking album. I mean, y'all put a lot into it. Obviously you want to succeed it. and of course, but, but, you know, make it so it's not like devastating if things don't move the way I want them to move. Right. Um, I have a day job. I am no longer married, but I'm in a fucking great relationship. Dope. I have pretty good days, and music's a big part of those days, but it's not the whole thing. Um, I think when you skip through everything else in life just to get to that part, you miss out on a lot and it becomes not as special. It's absolutely true. So um, I've been working on trying to look at it more as like a diary or a journal and here's data points of a good life rather than like these are the outcomes and these are the results and they have to get better or else I'm nothing. Yeah. That's a lot healthier way to look at it, man. Like being externally motivated is just so fucking <laughs> it's it, like you said, it's like a, a self-fulfilling uh, like prophecy, you know, it, or I don't know how to put it, but like it just keeps getting it's a spiral. It keeps getting worse and worse. Your mental health gets worse. Your outcomes of what you're doing is worse. It's bizarre. Yeah. Well, we we called this album horseradish because it's spicy. Nah, it's pretty much because milk and I just like to eat oysters. <laughs> oh, okay. As you should. Me too. Ooh, these beats is gold. Say that's your link, but I doubt y'all together. Go and click up, get they town hall together. Guess y'all like corny shit. How y'all is clever? I'll work them. Never mind that I'll outball whoever. I'm the goat out here. My kind becoming extinct. Just came here for wreck and getting something to drink. Won't click one of your links. I don't wanna go link. They searching for the pen, they want some of the ink. I done summoned the beat, the last sun in Northeast. Should've did something better, instead we run with the thieves. I'm weighing on 400 degrees. I've been nice since the price was 600 a piece. Young and a beast, it's high when it's in they lap up under the seat. They done fumbled the bag, makes sense they fumbled the beef. Treat these beats like pussy, it's just something to eat. They can't eat like Blanco, guess they stomach is weak. They malcontent with no album spins 
burn every bridge and don't know how to swim Took so many else like they don't know how to win My partner put down all that powder and I'm proud of him My homegirl sobered up and I'm proud of her Won't kick it like we used to but that's just how it worked She found a worth, I'm out of town, be back around the first Told the homie don't blow the bag, count it first They all counterfeit, the crown fit me well The city got a fishy smell, I spit it like I'm Biggie L50 well, not really upset and fuck heaven, they only give me hell I'm hopping on a plane to get some separation You can hear the pain, you can hear the desperation When you win this game, you don't need an explanation So you know I won't complain when I reach my destination ah. Table is called Smalle, not because I'm a song, but just because like I'm interested in it. So I'd rather name something, something I want to talk about. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just life. Plus, your your beats are 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 they have uh, texture. You know what I mean. They got some uh, complex flavors going on in there. The the way the way I saw that one was like, you know, as a producer, you have. I mean, you don't have to, but usually. You're like looking at different source material or samples from all around the world from diverse genres and then you're kind of presenting it in a more palatable fashion for a listener or for a rapper. And like isn't that what a, isn't that what a psalm does? It's like Yeah, man. That's true. So for a while you were fucking with day one, right? Yeah, and the, those are those are still the, the guys. Um so basically, AP and, and, and Jimmy and I had some business together, just like working with some artists. Yeah. Um, and then it just made sense to partner up together. Right. I really wanted to work with a lot of those artists. Perry the and I. The roster is pretty great. I mean, Day One's got a great roster of artists. Yeah. And, and things have changed throughout times. So there's been different iterations. Um, but me and Perry are close. Um his project with Belugs is going to be great. His project after that is going to be phenomenal. And I think I produced like 30, 40% of it. So nice. Um, Perry, finish your shit. Hurry up, Perry. <laughs> what the heck? Get on it, Perry. But, but overall, I think, you know, that relationship is still there, but they're doing a lot of stuff for sync. Um, they'll still dis- distribute stuff for me when it makes sense, but they're doing a lot of stuff for sync and all my stuff is sample based. So uh, where they're putting gotcha. the ma- majority of their work and finding the majority of their success, I don't really have business for them to manage, so it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Um, but overall, those are the guys. Um, Jimmy is going back to design school, and he's doing some design work for me right now. Oh, dope. A- AP is going to distribute a couple singles I got coming out um, over the next couple of months. Filthy. And, yep. Day One Entertainment. Golden Beats. Goldenbeats.bandcamp.com. That's the one. Hey, that's the one. With um, two E's. Two E's. Do you have any, What are, who are your uh, dream collaborations? Like, do oh, you have, what do you let's have? Let's go. Top five. Top five dream collaboratives. I can't make a top five, man. I'm so bad at lists. I just like, I don't like ranking things. I just like appreciating things. All right, things. fine. We'll make it easier. Top three. 
Oh, that makes it <laughs> easier. Joking. No, they don't have to be ranked. It can just be like, you know, five five artists you want to collaborate with. You know? Yeah, um, Schoolboy Q. Absolutely. Ooh, nice. Um, you know, what a lot of people have heard from me is more inside music, more like Boom Bap shit. It's record with milk. But if you listen to Ranch, there's a little bit outside in that one. Yes, sir. So I want to make some bigger records. I want to work. I want to work to make some some outside music to make people move. Well, how big are they going to be? My turntable is only so large. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> I want to make music that people play outside and or and dance to or do something illegal to or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Hell yeah, a little dangerous. Um, some dangerous music. I would like to make some like ominous, dangerous, creepy music. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Schoolboy Q, O3 Greedo. I mean, like, if this counts, I'd love to make a, a song with like Sir or D'Angelo or Stevie Wonder. Oh shit! That. We were just uh, taking a look at Sir. Um, I was saying that Rob has uh, he has some tonal or vocal similarities to Sir when when he belts it and he had never heard sir so i played him the john redcorn um, it's so good that whole that whole album's amazing yeah yeah i gotta fuck with sir man yeah i mean those count it doesn't have to be mcs only you know yeah he's so good i think i'd like to do some like uh forbidden pairs like do a song with rock marciano and like fucking phoebe bridgers or something <laughs> That would bang, though. That'd be so good. Man, I used to love it when you'd find (laughs) records that did that kind of crazy pairing. There's a mock song. There's a mock homie song that samples Grouper. Oh, yeah. I mean, we should sample Fallout Boy and then get get Benny the Butcher on it or something, you know? And, and, uh, but like Benny the Butcher and Kesha. Whoa. Oh, my God. Yeah, I I don't know. I probably just (laughs) fucked off that list, but. You know, there's there's a ton of really talented rappers. Makami is like my favorite rapper right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to work with him, but I'm I'm also like I want to do some up tempo shit. Like I want to do some shit that gets played in the club. I f- I feel like um, one of my one of the takeaways from the horse radish so far has been that it helps to have kind of like wins that are already in the can before you release the album. Yeah. So like I did a bunch of press work and people said they might, but they didn't say they would for sure write about it. Yeah. Um, oh, that's that's what's up. Yeah. Well, it's cool, but none of them fucking wrote about it. So, <laughs> um, you know, but like it's people, a good good tactic though, a good strategy. Yeah, and it's relationship building. Maybe they didn't write it for this one, but they will for the next one. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you guys having me on. Of but course, like, man. um. Having the credit, like, I feel like I'm at a place where the music is there, but the credibility isn't in terms of perceived value. Yeah. So, with, like, having an, a record on Fake Four where someone else is the social account that's pushing that and not me, having a record on Backwoods, like, could lead to the credibility that I'm looking for. Totally. I just did my taxes, or at least sent them in, and I spent, like, seven grand on music stuff last year, and I made $321, <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, Hell yeah! Uh, yep, hey. it's got to get better. Yeah, <laughs> no, it doesn't. Come on now. <laughs> just joking. No, no, just a patron of the arts. That's right. I think it will. I mean, I you know I haven't generated. I've probably generated three hundred twenty-one dollars for all of my through streaming 
I mean, uh, through through sales on Bandcamp throughout, you know, 40 albums or whatever that I, or yeah. 20, al- 20 albums that I put out. So uh, m- selling music is it Talk hurts. about bleakness. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, as a producer, you have the ability to make more money. And it, the thing about it True. is, is the faucet. It's just like, it's really hard. It's like, it's stuck for producers, but like when the water comes on, it floods. And then, the, you know, like, so the moment you work with the MC that becomes hot, all of a sudden, everyone wants to work mm. with you, et cetera. So it's just about open, like getting getting Facts. it getting it open, and and maybe that step is an, an, a collaborative album with an independent hip hop label that has a a good reputation. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I, I, I'd like to have a reputation for real, for real. Because your music, man, it's fucking good, bro. Thank I was you. listening to the horse the horseradish project, and I was just like, I kept being like like there would be a moment to breathe, you know, and the beat would just be playing. And I'm just like, Oh my fucking God, this is so good. And I was like, Oh yeah, it's golden beats. That's right. That's why it's so fucking good. Dude. Your music's always been a cut above, man. It's just fucking great. Yeah. So I was telling Rob about this earlier briefly, but I've had moments like I've had a moment like this with multiple musicians that I worked with. I think for Rob, it was at the Jade garden where, where (laughs) I realized that Rob could sing he was charismatic and that he was my favorite seattle rapper and i was like that dude can do it right it it's i just i want to hug you i i know that i could pick you up and (laughs) then like and and cradle you (laughs) it'd be like i could kick the door down and you'd be in the wedding dress we could we could do it okay we could do it something about that point is baby how would that make your back feel though (laughs) That's true, right? My, my, my back's great now. I have a healthy back these days. Oh, congrats! congrats. Have, thank you, thank you. Lots of yoga. Um, yoga helps, dude. That and, shit's restorative. And, uh, weight training. Like the thing about having a bad back. Uh, uh, side note here is that no one ever tells you this. Strengthen your trunk. Strengthen your core, your quads, your glutes. Right. Like I, it's all I'm, your core. It's like, all your core. I'm dead serious. Like if you have big glutes, muscular glutes, you don't have a bad back. It's facts, dude. I'm just it's saying, facts. like, I started working my glutes out, and I was like, oh, shit, I don't have a back, bad back anymore, you know? And now I got an ass like Giancarlo Stanton over here. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> what was I talking about before? The, juicy. Uh, you juicy boy. The juicy boy. Um, so, but point is, Thaddeus, I was going to say, there was a moment when I realized that you were, uh, uh, um, you had it as well, and that was going back to the golden... Or I mean, not your golden beats. Going back to the good husband's house in Seattle, uh, me and Ian went over to your uh, to your house as you were living there, and you had, had like got some urge to make a new jack beat. You were like, I want to make like a, a new jack <laughs> swing beat. Hell yeah. And so you like pulled up like you know Bell Biv DeVoe and a couple other songs. You just listened to it and were able to tap out in rep the and replicate the drum pattern just like that. And I was like, that you don't see that very often, right? In my experience with all the music, I think you, I could count those moments, you know, in one hand. I think Jesus Chris uh, on tour with him, I had a moment where I was just like, that guy has it. Or I mean, maybe even it was at the Glow, but like one of the many live performances, that dude could Yo, just glow. tap into it, right? The Glow. <laughs> Shout out to the Glow in Bellingham. Oh Wild times. I snuck in there with a fake ID for the first two years. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, Knucklehead. Um, rest in peace, knucklehead. Um, he came over to my studio. I played him the beat and within hear- him hearing it, 10 seconds later, it was like, all right, I need nine vocal tracks. And I'd mapped out a fucking eight part har- or a, a six part harmony with, you know, 
two different dub. He'd like mapped that all out in 10 seconds. The man was an absolute musical genius. And, you know, he always gave me way more love than, than, uh, anyone else in Bellingham and would always, he always encouraged me to, to continue my craft. So rest in peace to that dude. Love that guy. But point is you got it. And so the key is to just persevere because having it is only half the battle. And so a lot of people can become frustrated when they know that they have it and then it doesn't come to them, you know? And, but if, if, if you have, I mean, the difference between you and all these other people that I've talked about, well, not knucklehead knucklehead had the uh, work ethic that you have as well. But like this, the thing that will separate, you know, the good artists from the rest of the good artists is their work ethic and their ability to put in shit. And I remember in reading the article in the Willamette Weekly that Milk did uh, last year or a couple years ago now, um, he was talking about just his work ethic and just how he's willing to put out tracks, you know, at an incessant pace. And, and that was one thing I was always willing to do in Bellingham. It helped to have a microphone, you know, but <laughs> that Dude, does help. Milk is, Milk's work ethic is insane. His studio etiquette, just like there were, there was like slam cover. That song bangs. Thank you. Um, he first laid a verse on that that actually ended up on the Televangel album, mm-hmm. or no, maybe it's the feature on the AJ Suede Televangel album. But essentially, like had three or four loose bars floating around, and by the time I had like looped that beat and like. It's a good beat. It's got a good pocket, but it's not a terribly complicated one. He had a 32 ready to lay down for Amber Rose Ecto Coolo. Ect- Ooh, that is interesting. Ecto Amber Rose Coolo. Ecto Cooler. That is Freud? insane. Welcome, Freud. Freud just stepped into the room. Hello, Freud. Oh, that is something else. Oh, he fell. Um. Wow, that's an all timer. Um. He dro- You know, I his patterns on that are, I think more interesting than fucking i don't know a lot of shit but he he dropped that he he recorded that verse as like one taker straight out of his phone wrote it while i was putting that beat together i love that um and just i don't know it, i was really inspired to just get super productive and like you're talking about kind of like employ that work ethic just because he was willing to do that and like I'm I'm getting to a point where it's like I want to make sacrifices for this music shit, but like not that big. Yeah, I want to just live a nice ass life and make music and hope that's enough. But um, I picture you on in the French Riviera yeah. with, with a with a nice bottle yep. and and your sampler and a record player. I yep. mean, I picture it. I'm picturing it, dude. Every uh, time I every time I go to fucking Mexico. I've come come back with like a grip of bangers. It's I just like living my routine and not deviating that much from it. And that routine includes making music. But with Milk, it's just like we had so much fun. Like we just chilled and like drank wine and ate good food and worked like two hours at a time, three hours at a time. There was never like some long 12, 16 hour session into the late night like I don't know how people do it. I hate it. I wake up at fucking five thirty six in the morning. I don't want to. I'm in the same. God I'm in the same boat as you. I wake up. I'm an early bird. So yeah, it I'm feels crazy. good. Like I love mornings. I like. I'm one of those meditate and journal in the morning sort of dudes. Um, yep. Yep, yep, I yep. work a job that's on East Coast hours, so I oh, have so to you be responsive. Be yeah. yeah, and even before that, 
I just, I don't know, something happened in my body when I was like 25. It's just like, oh, whoa, we're waking up now. But, Man, you know, just crazy. taking it two hours at a time with a sustainable clip and not burning out and just keeping on going and, you know, kind of just digging as a lifestyle, really going deep on what I want to listen to, what I want to sample. And when you, when you were talking about the... I never fucking talk about myself. Thanks for giving me an opportunity. Um, when you're talking about that that moment making a new jack new jack beat, there's been like two or three times in my life where I've kind of just broke through an era of being too in my head about creating stuff. Where I'm like, people know me from making boom bap beats. I can only make boom bap mm, beats. Yeah. Uh-huh. To like, I don't know, I play guitar, I play keys a little bit. I feel like I could make country music if I wanted to, if I had a desire to. Um, But I just love rap music so much. And there's so much in it. So it's like, I can spend two or three hours a day doing this, two hours a day doing this. um, But one day it's going to be a drill beat, and one day it's going to be a trap beat, and one day it's going to be house music, and most of them it's going to be breaks and samples because that's what I know and love the best but just freeing just freeing myself to make shit and seeing where it lands yeah you shouldn't be be, uh, beholden to uh, the the strict boundaries of a genre and I mean I understand that like hip-hop can have so many offshoots and things like that but even that can become restrictive and at a certain point you just want to make music and you should be allowed to make music. And some of my favorite, uh, I talked to Fresh Kills about this um, when, when, when listening to his record. He has some genre bending moments, you know, and just like he in the middle of his album, he's got a Roots Reggae dub, you know, reggae. That's, fire my, track. that's my favorite shit. Yeah, I love good. reggae so much. Yeah. And like his the record executive that he was talking to about it was telling him that, like, you can't have this in the middle of your your hip hop album. Oh, you know shit. what I mean? Like it fit right the, in there. It, man. it fits really good. And I mean, it's a fucking great song, you know, and he said that, you know, he he was, you know, debating about even putting it out. But it's like ultimately it's going to flow. And like the the creative expression of an artist should, should be able to not be held into a certain place. I mean, we Absolutely. look at like the Beatles. Obviously, the Beatles started to get really, really, you know, weird and wacky. And that's part of the reason that it was so good is because they stopped caring about any boundaries. They're just like, we're going to make sounds or whatever. We're going to structure things how we want, etc. And that's why psychedelics are so important. Super important. Super duper important, man. It's like... Ugh. Thank you, Bob Dylan, on that one. Giving the Beatles drugs. Bro, <laughs> I hate Bob Dylan so much. <laughs> But we can Why? thank him for giving the Beatles drugs. Dude, yeah. I worked at this fucking uh, little record store. I, it was I like a warehouse too, so. music or something in Linwood. And I swear to God, Bob Dylan was at the Starbucks in our little fucking parking lot. And I don't know why, but it was, dude, it had to have been. It was this tall, lanky, old dude. Or maybe not tall, but like lanky, old dude wearing all black with like this black hat. It looked like fucking Bob Dylan. I swear it was Bob Dylan, dude. In Linwood, in this little parking lot. I'm going to try to find the name of this book just so I can talk shit about it. Um, <laughs> Did he write it or what? N- no, there's this. There's. Give me just one sec. I got to find this book. Oh, it's all good. I'll filibuster for Bobby a second. Can I, can I just say, I would be very disappointed just conceptually at Bob Dylan being Bob Dylan, being at a Starbucks. Dude, don't have any 
preconceptions about Bob Dylan, man. He doesn't just, he doesn't fit in your box. Well, okay? I'm a, but but remember, I'm upset at anyone being at a Starbucks. <laughs> That's true. But yeah. hey, they have a fantastic uh pumpkin spice uh hey. cold brew. Howard Pumpkin Spice Cream Gold We are pro union in this house. <laughs> That's right. That's right. There That's are right. two reasons, two reasons that the Seattle Sonics don't exist anymore. One oh, is, right. is Starbucks coffee, and two is Hurricane <laughs> Katrina. Okay. I forgot about that. I'm angry. Yeah. I forgot All right. Let's talk shit about Dennis McNally for one sec. Man, right. fuck him, bro. Fuck yeah, McNally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude. Fuck so Dennis McNally. There's this book. It's called On Highway 61. That's a bullshit title. Oh, that's a fucking Bob Dylan album or something. Yep, shit. On Highway 61. That's a bullshit title. It, it, the subtitle is Music, Race, and the Evolution of Cultural Freedom. And it studies oh, boy. music as it travels from basically jazz and the blues into folk music. And it's like all this beautiful history of, like you know, like 150 years of black music as it travels up the Mississippi River and shit. Oh, okay, and that sounds interesting. It's really interesting. It's a great book until it gets to the end, and the author's like, "And this culminates in Bob Dylan." <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, I didn't Dude, see that coming. That's some. I love it. That's like a. That's some white liberal shit right there. That is some white liberal Dude. shit right there, for sure. That's like a twist of an ending, too. At the, like, oh, man. I watched... The, I think I've told Rob about this, but I watched 2012. That movie was horrible. It's a big disaster movie. The world's ending. Everyone's dying. Billions of people are being killed. A couple people get on the ship. Everything's all good. And then they do a scan, and they're like, oh, hey, Africa didn't flood. We're just going to go to Africa. And then they colonize Africa again. <laughs> And it was just like a hell of a twist at the cool, end. There. I was like, holy cool. shit. Like, what? It's like Bob Dylan is actually the savior of music. You're just like, wait, what? How did this? What? <laughs> the, the apex of all American music, honestly. It's one Bob of my Dylan. favorite things is like you take a person on a logical stepping, like, you know, like you're like taking them down the philosophical, like breadcrumb trail, so to speak, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. Bread, and that, bread and then, what trail? Bread. Did I say breadcrumb trail? Bread I what? think you missed the R. Breadcrumb. Breadcrumb trail. Well, bread and cum do Freud, have a relationship. Freud's back. Hey, Freud's back. Oh, he fell over again. Whoops. <laughs> Freud, you really need to learn your uh, balance there. Yeah, uh, bread cum crumb trail. Oh, I did it again. God <laughs> damn it. God I prefer cum it. bread. <laughs> Don't eat the bread. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis McNally kind of looks a little bit like Stephen King in some pictures too, which don't look like him, dude. Come on, man. What the Get hell? together. Come on, bro. Anyway, philosophical breadcrumb trail. Where are we going? Uh, I mean, that's where we went. We landed. Oh, I do. I do. We landed in Africa. Uh, We landed on the African continent. We are colonizing it once again. No, no, (laughs) we are not doing that. Um, Guys, I got to. This is my like 15 minute warning, 10 minute warning. I got to. Yep. I got to make dinner and and then go watch the A24 film showing up. Showing, showing up. up. What is what's, uh, what's what is what is showing up about? Um, a sculptor preparing to open a new show must balance her creative life with the daily dramas of family and friends. Oh. In Kelly hmm. Reichardt's vibrant and captivatingly funny portrait of art and craft, um, featuring not starring the one and only Andre Benjamin. Ooh. Oh shit! Oh, is this okay. in uh, Teatro? Yes, we're gonna nice. go to the Hollywood Theater. Oh hell yeah! Um, oh, that's what the fuck is up, man. 
Someone asked someone asked me and I'm gonna ask you guys. Yes, sir. If if I could have dinner with one rapper, who would it be? And my ch- my two answers, because I'm it's too hard to give just one, would be 3K and Pharrell. I feel like I would get along with both of those guys. Uh, you've always kind of reminded me of Pharrell, and I, by, when I say that, I've never met Pharrell. So, <laughs> well, yeah. you know, it's it's not that, but yeah. Um, I'd say, you know, dinner with three people. That's how I would do it. It's a party of four, right? It's a party of four. So you get Pharrell, you get 3K, who el- three stacks. Who else you got? Is it anyone or is it a, a rapper? It's it's anyone. Um, I don't know if I'd want three rap three rappers. That might be a little much. Well, like I hardly think of Pharrell or Andre 3000 as rappers at this point. Well, um, I don't think that they're they... more artists. Yeah. yeah, they're like grown men that have very many artistic outlets, which is healthy. Dude, there's this like Instagram cha- uh, page or something like that. I almost said Instagram channel for fuck's sake. Jesus Christ, what am I saying? Instagram channel. What is anyway, this uh, Andre. Uh, uh, in the wild playing a flute like he's just in New York random places in a laundromat whatever playing a flute it's so great I'm like man this dude is something else man I love that yeah we we have ah, there was a point where I was gonna share this earlier but like I have this overwhelming feeling when people are often talking about music and what it should be or like how an album performed or whatever it's like these guys are giving us their themselves, their emotions, like pretty vulnerably. And oh, two things, real quick. One, like people are giving us their life offerings. Like, why does Rihanna ever have to make any music anymore? Right. Like for any reason, she's given she us. Does not. She does us nothing. She's done everything. Like, what a winner. Three um, K doesn't owe us anything like he gave us so much so much greatness a tv show so many of the greatest raps ever forays into jazz um great songs like great songs not just like not just verses like great songs Spodiody Dopalicious talking about going off into like just letting the song trail it's one of my favorite songs let alone hip-hop songs of all time it I think one of the greatest feature rappers ever and like in the end of his, you know, current rapping career, like whenever he shows up, he's like the guy who, let's say, is at a dinner party, pulling it back, um, who doesn't say much. But every time he opens his mouth, it's something super valuable. Yeah. Like he's not out here playing the let's make a bunch of music game. Like he shows up when he has something to say. He delivers every single time. I appreciate Um, the fuck out of that, man. It's amazing. But the, the other thing I was going to say about people that that really inspire, I forget which one of you was saying something about this, was the greatest among us, I think, pair it back to getting everything out of the way and letting the signal be heard. So, like, Rick Rubin, for, for better or for worse, you know, what he talks about is separating whatever's blocking the se- signal. Like, yeah. that goes into kind of like his reductionist production style of, it's not maximalist. It's not like Kanye and Mike Dean or Travis Scott and Mike Dean. Like, let's just produce the shit up. It's very like, what's the core that needs to be heard? Let's get everything the fuck out of the way. I mean, Pharrell is very much that way as a producer. Like, what's special about you and unique about you? Let's get your 
self. Let's get your per- personhood out there. And it's it's something that's really inspiring to me, at least currently. It's like, get that other shit out of the way and just like let the spirit speak. Yeah. I that's like that. uh, I like that approach. The one thing that I always, um, I would always, all of my writing, all of my raps from Once Upon a Time when I rapped a lot were all a stream of conscious. And so for the longest time, I thought that there was no validity in that. Right. I thought that like I remember um, certain unnamed rapper from a group in Bellingham that moved to Seattle uh, t- told me that like all I was ever rapping about was weed. And, you know, I needed to like learn how to rap about other shit. And I like really took that to heart because I was like feeding my music to a lot of people and not really getting very much feedback. Yeah. And sometimes they would say, um, you know, things like, you know, it, it, it's good and stuff like that. But I had imposter syndrome that I suffered for from for a long time and so I, I couldn't hear the compliments and so I ended up taking that one thing to heart and thinking that my stream of conscious writing was really bad and then I went back uh, just recently listening to some songs and I was like I stumbled on a song that like I thought sucked but was actually about me doing DMT and then going on stage and it's like done it's done really abstractly and it's really interesting and I'm just like oh that's what I was saying but it's like now that I'm actually able to listen to what I was trying to say um, I was like, oh, it's not bad. But I, I, you know, Milk, it seems like kind of does that where it's just like uh, you stream of conscious rap with you, you know, with whatever is coming to mind and allow the, the, the mind to really speak for itself. And then that operates or allows you and him to operate in efficient windows and crush your music out in two to three hours and then relax and and enjoy the finer things of life. You know? Yeah, we. I mean, we go back and revise stuff, and there were plenty of songs that got scrapped. Of course, um, of course. I'm not saying it's a perfect, you know, but I'm, but I'm saying it's a much more efficient scenario than working with. Like, I worked with so many people that they're like twenty thirtieth attempt to get a verse. You know, what that's I mean? just so that's just so difficult. But exactly. When you really, when you really feel it, and it's really earnest, and you're not portraying some idea of yourself, mm-hmm. I think it's a lot easier to just say your piece as as it should and oftentimes the f- oh i sounded weird I sounded like canadian or something oftentimes. um oftentimes um it's that first or second take that really has third take that really has the feeling yeah that's um, true that's true so if you're good enough at what you do you know it, it shows up with that feeling you can capture a moment but yeah there's something about just being earnest um then sh- you know sharing yourself Yep. That's both fucking frightening and really what we're doing here. The yep. dangerous thing about that, though, is that Ernest goes to jail. <laughs> so. Is that a movie? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Oh. You didn't. You didn't. It didn't oh, land. It's fine. That was good. That was good. That was good. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. It just like fouled out under like another thing that goes over my head. Thanks, granola parents. Jeez, um, oh, didn't let me watch Ernest movies. What a weird situation. I think so. Thad, you're you're born ninety. I'm born eighty nine. Rob's born eighty eight or eighty seven. Eighty seven. I'm sorry, I said that. I didn't mean that. Well, uh, Ernest was huge for like kids movies back in the day, and he had a series of kids movies. Ernest yeah. goes to jail. Ernest scared stupid was actually fucking terrifying. Um, Ernest but, goes to 
camp. Ernest goes shit. to camp was his biggest one, definitely. But it and was it's Ver- this old lanky guy, Vern and, something. What's his and name? And he sounds like this. This is what he sounds like all the time. I have no idea why he became a children's star. I, he I looks know. like John Stewart off the Zoinkies. Yes, <laughs> yes, he does. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> Yo, oh my, that's God. good. Um, yeah, for some reason he was, there was a lot of kids movies. And so my best friend growing up, his older brother had a huge VHS collection and had a bunch of Ernest tapes. And so we used to watch that shit all the time and a lot of kids did. And so that's why Ernest goes to jail. And there you go. You do, you know what I was thinking about? Speaking of, um, someone does something titles, Dunstan, Dunstan checks in. Oh yeah. That was, yeah. Cla- I don't know about classic, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. That's a little extreme, but also while we're at it, the kid, the kid from um, Jungle to Jungle. If you oh remember that. my god, yes. that movie was uh, a that. movie Google, I watched. Google the kid; he looks like um, a young Millie Bobby Brown. Oh no, shit! Okay, it's like yeah, forbidden. That's weird as hell. For forbidden doppelgangers. Oh wow! <laughs> no. Dude, there are wow. She just got engaged. Congrats to her. Congrats to MBB. Oh wow! Holy shit! Oh my god! Sam Huntington looks. This kid looks exactly like her. That's wild. Looks exactly. I wouldn't say it for no reason. You know. That's it's just great. It's striking. That's striking. Wow. Back in Tim Allen's heyday. This is this is proof that human cloning exists. I just want to point that out and. (laughs) Uh, on that note, um, Thaddeus, we're going to uh, let the viewing audience um, or the listening audience hear MTV, the last track on Horseradish, and that's gonna that's how we're going to fade them out. But is there anything that you want to say on the back end? Uh, anything you want to promote before you take off? Appreciate you guys having me on. Um, definitely hit Bandcamp uh, Golden Beats. That's spelled like the food, no spaces, dot bandcamp.com. Um, cock horseradish help us recoup even the low overhead that we put on this one um, so we can run it back again essentially we will run it back again but need that need that support from you guys really appreciate it and uh, yeah look out for a ton of fucking music uh, I got us for any anyone that listens to this you get you get to hear it here first folks I got a Song with Dean Spencer. I got a song with um, RX Nephew. I got an LP with Blake Anthony that's going to come out this year. Tight. I got an LP with Swanks, another Tacoma rapper. A lot of a lot of shit in the chamber. Ready to share it with the world. Fuck yeah, man. man. And you know that I will support anything that you do. And you've always been one of my favorite people to uh, learn about who the new and fresh voices are to be heard because that's the thing about hip hop is that anyone can do it. And so we can always hear new perspective. And you know what I mean? You're saying about the the bleakness of sequels to tie it all back in. Sometimes you don't want to hear Eminem's 25th album. Fucking stop Bro, making music already. And, and I never no Eminem anything. ever again. Stop After Eminem's show, I was done and I'm still done. I even checked I out one of his 100%. later ones 100%. just for fuck, you know, shits and giggles. And yep. I was like, oh my fucking God, I can't yeah. with this guy. Yep. No, thanks. Well, I will make sure to put the link to the album and uh, your social medias in the, mes- uh, the description of the episode. Appreciate and it. yeah. Thanks for coming in. Um, obviously, friend of the pod, family of the pod. Um, you're always welcome on 
Um, anything that you want to promote at oh, any point in time? Should we'll we mention it. that he made the fucking theme song? That's oh. in the, I have that in the intro. I have that <laughs> in the intro. I have okay, that in cool. The intro. Right. <laughs> yes. And yeah, this is the the man behind the themeage. Stack cool. attack and um, there's gonna be some more there's gonna be some more iterations soon. Oh tight. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh well you're suave, you're swanky, you know, you're smooth. Uh stay stay all of those things. Thank you. And savvy, you're savvy. Before you leave, I want to uh just give you send you out on one note. Yeah. This one. For being a guest, good sir. Thank you. Lace the face like flea on MTV. I need a moon man, but from 93, me and Sting, I tell him fuck the police. Need this to slap. I spice one out of Caprice. Caprice Sunny's rappers just signed to Jermaine Dupree. Hood hopping, crisscrossing. It all look lame to me. Ashamed to be called the same thing as most y'all. Built like Patton Oswald. Could've played nose guard. My shoulder's broad, I'm like Hemsworth Every verse there's a gym, it's like an Hemsworth I should've been on Unplugged and Rocket Shop Fuck Cribs though, don't need no one to pocket watch Y'all talk a lot, you should try listening I'm God fishing fly, outfit I fry fish up in Stick up guys outside the shake joint I got the OSU point guard and shave points I want my MTV, used to be channel 63 They play music videos, not right Rob Deerdick talking over home videos. Not teen mama, real world silly hoes. Where did Puck go? Where's Carson Daly? I watched the karaoke show on the daily. Theo Vaughn was on road rules before I was on Pro Tools. Like, I want my MTV. I want my MTV. I want my MTV. I want my MTV.
just wait.